Ummagyanatimirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chaksurum Litam Yenatasmai Sigurve Namaha Arjunulam Bodo Bujo Kanakabodato Sankitanaya Kapitaro Kamalaya Daksho Vishwambaro Dvijavaro Yuga Dharma Palo Pande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabotaro Reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita Ali Lila, Chapter 1. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is explaining the first principle or truth unto which he offers his obeisances in his first of two verses that constitute the Namaskar of his Mangala Charan, Vande Gurun. So we discussed this at some length yesterday. How Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has explained that the spiritual master is the servant of Lord Chaitanya and simultaneously a direct manifestation of the Supreme Lord. In this regard, for his Pramana verse, what did Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami say? What is a Pramana verse? Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami said, My Guru is a servant of Lord Chaitanya, I know him as such, but I also know him as the direct manifestation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then he said that, elaborating along the same lines, that according to the deliberate opinion of the revealed scriptures, the spiritual master is none different from Krishna. Lord Krishna, in the form of the spiritual master, delivers his devotees. So what is the way in which Krishna Kaviraj Goswami said he was going to elaborate upon the teachings and pastimes of Lord Chaitanya? That's two questions. <laughs> what is his system? How is he writing this book? He's just making it up as he goes along. He's writing whatever he feels, whatever he thinks. Who can say? He's citing evidence from the revealed scriptures to support every point that he makes. So he's just made a point. We discussed the point. And he supported his point with Shastra Praman, evidence from the scripture. It means he cited a verse. So what verse did he cite? Where is that verse from? Srimad Bhagavatam. Where in Srimad Bhagavatam? 11th Canto. What's going on there? So, Uddhava Gita. Discussing the Varnashram. Kula Guru. What to speak of Sadguru then? How we should acknowledge that he is the representative of the Supreme Lord. So, then he says, Shika Guru Ke Tajani Krishna Swarup Antarayami Bhakta Shesta Duyurup. One should know the instructing spiritual master, Shiksha Guru, to be the personality of Krishna. He says, Krishna Swarup Antarayami Bhakta Shesta Duyurup. Lord Krishna manifests himself as Antarayami, Super Soul. And Bhaktashrestha, the best devotee, Eduirup, in these two forms. So he's saying that the Antaryami, Chaita Guru, sometimes we call, the Guru in the heart, manifests externally as a great devotee, the best of devotees. So that vision that my heart has manifest outside, before my eyes, 
in the form of a great devotee. This is what causes us to make the connection with Sri Guru. In other words, Sri Guru is not a foreign element. This is the way in which a lot of people in the Western world think of it. Some external agency imposing his will upon us and suppressing us, thereby making us into mindless, thoughtless robots. This is not what the teaching is. It may turn out like that in some cases, but that's because people don't understand this verse, what's being said here. We all have our own conscience, our own heart. We can hear the words of Guru, Sadhu, Shastra, but it has to reflect on our heart and how it does when we respond to that. That's what spiritual life is about. So quite some time ago, one of my disciples, young lady, was staying with us in the ashram in San Francisco, and she wrote to her friend about it, and her friend wrote back and, and said, well, it's nice that you're there and so forth, and I just uh, hope that when you look in the mirror that you smile. In other words, he was saying, I hope that when you really look at yourself in the mirror, you can really feel good about what you're doing, something like that. So she wrote back to him and said, actually, when I look in the mirror, I don't see much to smile about. But when I look at my Gurudev, my heart feels happy. Because there I can see my prospect in life, what I can be. I look in the mirror, I see what I am at the moment, <laughs> in terms of my conditioning. But when I look at him, I see how he looks to me, what he expects of me, what he represents that I identify with in my heart that I would like to become. Actually, I gave the purport, but she gave that reply, and I gave the purport. She agreed, of course. <laughs> so this is the idea, not a foreign imposition. We have a saying in English, when someone says something that's very true, that it hit home. Well, that really hit home. The home is in the heart. And the home-knowing person, when a home-knowing person speaks, that touches our heart. And we can know from that, home-going is possible. Shidamar used to say, we need a home-knowing person for a home-going journey. And where is the home? It's not out there, in the land of our heart. So here Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami said Bhakta Shesta. He's Antaryami, but he appears as the best devotee. So that will be our vision. This is the best devotee. Best for me. Best for me for what I need to hear, example that I need to make progress, and so on. So if we understand this principle, then we enter into a bond of love with the spiritual master and our efforts to serve we understand are in our own interest and they are a labor of love as i said the other day we must accept a guru this is the shastric injunction in fact it says that one who in human life does not take diksha descends through the animal life this is how much human life is meant for spiritual pursuit, to make this kind of meeting, 
between the divine and our human condition. The medium is Sri Guru. So very, very important. We must do it. But our sense in embracing that instruction will be, I must do it because it's in my best interest and I can feel it, I can sense it. And I hear the talk and I see the example and so forth. It it just, uh, as they say in English also, it commands respect rather than demanding respect. That's the spirit of what I'm trying to say. It's natural. It's not a law. If it's a law, it's the law of love. Love actually transcends law. It's the fulfillment of law. It's not a legal arrangement. It's an affair of the heart. Now, we don't want to wax too sentimental about it. There are some philosophical parameters and so forth. Uh, This has to fit within. The guru actually must be representative of our real heart's interest, that when we sit quietly and really think, what do I really want in life? What do I really want to do? If we sit quietly and think for five minutes, what do I really want? And watch all the thoughts that go through your head, and you can reject so many of them, all of them practically. What we want is to be happy, to be fulfilled, to love, to be loved. So that's our heart. Then we need some knowledge how to do that exactly. So love means, of course, if we want to be fulfilled in that pursuit, it's about giving. So we've got to get out of a situation where we're on the take. And that situation is basically bodily identification because the body imposes demands upon us. And they're artificial, but we identify with the body, so we think they're our necessity. And then being in a needy condition, we can't be in a condition to give, which is a full condition, that we're on the take in material existence, we feel that our very existence is threatened at any moment, we may have to, we may be extinguished, so this, this is the struggle for existence. We cannot find real love in this affair. So we have to combine our sentiment for love, our pursuit of that, our heart's interest, with some knowledge as well. So bhakti and Vedanta. We should not forget that bhakti is a system of Vedanta. The bhakti side attracts many people, naturally, more than the Vedanta side of it. And that's the generosity of bhakti, and so many people get involved. But if we want to represent with some dignity, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, we should understand the Vedanta side of it as well. And if we are to make progress in love, then this Tattva, this knowledge, this Vedanta, what is what, that has to be understood. So love will not be found inside the bodily conception of life, not the full expression. So our heart wants that. We have to combine that heart's interest with knowledge, so Guru gives the knowledge. Krishna is in the heart, Antaryami. He knows our best interest. Therefore, we find in Mahaprabhu's teachings to Sanatana Goswami, you must all know this shloka. Krishna is in the heart and Jeev is wandering throughout the universe. And he's made fortunate in his pursuit of fulfillment when Antaryami Krishna in the heart turns him to his representative Sri Guru. When we make that connection, then we can go forward in a systematic way. Otherwise, wandering, 
we're in, all in search of the same thing, but we're going about it without connection with Guru and Guru Parampara, we're going about it in an unsystematic way, and we won't be successful. So Krishna sends some help, so we can go about it step by step and make tangible progress. That help is Sri Guru, Bhakta Shrestha, the best of the devotees. So that will be our vision, one that corresponds with our heart. Here, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is talking about Siksha Guru, but the general idea is that who gives the Siksha then captures our heart, and then we capture him by making our claim. You must now give me shelter. And so this way the bond is made, and the Siksha Guru becomes Diksha Guru. This is the usual route. Then... After giving the diksha, then so much siksha is also given. But as we've already heard, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami has offered his obeisances to six siksha gurus, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. So we can have a number of siksha gurus and only one diksha guru. Siksha guru kitanta jani krishnera swarup. So he says the very swarup of Krishna, so the nature of Krishna, is represented in the Siksha Guru. Sometimes this may also be explained in this way, that Siksha Guru gives specific instructions about how to do bhajan, which brings us in touch with more the nature of Krishna. Siksha Guru is involved in establishing the relationship. This is Krishna, this is you, he looks like this. But through the Siksha, then we come to know that Diksha unfolds, so to speak. We know our nature, our swarup, and the particular nature of Krishna that's particularly endearing to us. Now he cites a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. Naivopayanti apachitam kavayastavesha brahma yushapikritam vidhamudhasmarantha yontarbahisthanubritam ashubam vidunvan acharjachetya vapusa Sagatim Pyanakti. Oh, my Lord, transcendental poets and experts in spiritual science could not fully express their indebtedness to you, even if they were endowed with the prolonged lifetime of Brahman. For you appear in two features, externally as the Acharya and internally as the Supersoul, to deliver the embodied living being by directing him how to come to you. So this is his Pramanaverse is evidence from the scripture to support his point that the Antaryami Chaitaguru manifests externally as the spiritual master. This is from 11th Canto also, 29th chapter, verse 6, Uddhava Gita, spoken to Uddhava. Then he cites from Bhagavad Gita, Tesham satata yuktanam bhajitam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam yenam amupayantite. This is a very famous verse from 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, one of the Chatur Slok verses of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says to Arjuna, to those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. So Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is citing this verse as if to say that the spiritual master is the fulfillment of this verse. Those who worship me with love, I give them Buddha Yogam, Dadami, I give them spiritual understanding by which they can come to me. Of course, this may be 
rendered in a number of ways, but this is how he has used it here, all to further substantiate his point that the spiritual master is representing directly Krishna. Otherwise, this verse does have an apparent contradiction in it, inasmuch as Krishna says, Bhajatam priti purvakam. Those who are engaged in this kind of bhajan, priti purvakam, with love and devotion, this is the ideal. So why do they need buddhi for in order to come to Krishna? They're already engaged in priti purvakam, bhajatam priti purvakam. So Sridhar gave a nice explanation, taking this to a higher level, that those who, like the gopis are worshipping with intense love and tesham satata yuktanam. Always, constantly, satata yuktanam, in union with me by love, by loving worship. What knowledge do they need? What instruction do they need to come to Krishna? They've already arrived. So there seems to be something, some redundance here or some contradiction. So in order to resolve that, he, as I say, he took to the highest level. If you perceive this contradiction, then you have the answer. If you perceive it in this verse, Krishna is saying, the highest devotees, Tesham Satata Yuktanam Bhajatam Priti Purvakam, then, who are they, the gopis of Braj, and what is their necessity? Do they have any necessity for instruction? Yes, they, they need instruction to meet with Krishna, Upayantite, to come to him, because there's so many obstacles in the Braj Lila for their uniting with him because of the nature of their relationship in Parakya. So that Vatsalyaras is a big obstacle. Mother Yasoda wants Krishna tucked in at night, take rest, and gopis want to bring him out, and social obstacles, and so many problems are there. So, they need the sidelong glances of Krishna and various gestures and so forth which indicate secret language to indicate places of rendezvous and times and so forth. Something like this. He's given this idea. Otherwise, as I say, Krishna's Kabbaraj Goswami has used it here in two ways. One is to say that the spiritual master gives that instruction how the devotees who are engaged in worship of Krishna sincerely with love and in one sense everyone who is engaged in Krishna Bhakti has some love for Krishna and why they would be doing this but they need further instruction on how to make progress and ultimately attain Krishna so this is the function then of the Siksha Guru to give instruction what kind of instruction now he wants to elaborate upon that. Yata Brahmani Bhagavan Swayam Upadishanu Bhavitavan. He says, just as unto Brahma Bhagavan Swayam himself Upadisha Anubhavitavan caused Brahma to see, to understand, to realize. So in the same way, this way he continues to make a parallel between Guru and Krishna, saying there's, there's no difference. Brahma was instructed by Krishna at the dawn of creation. You know, he searched himself out. What is the nature of his being? How much he did so is to be understood by the idea that he has four heads. 
He looked, it means, in all directions. We should look in all directions, search out our purpose, our being. What am I? Why am I? With such intensity. I remember a fellow once asked me something like that. I was preaching to him and he said, well, what are we supposed to do, spend our whole lives sorting everything out, trying to figure out who we are and what's the truth? I said, yeah, <laughs> that's what we are supposed to do. This query comes to mind in human consciousness. We shouldn't push it in the background and ignore it. What makes us humans in a progressive sense is to deal with the issue, deal with the question. We should do that. And in doing that, we should come to the conclusion that our resources are limited. Our equipment is defective. The very equipment that we have in the form of mind and senses and intellect are a product of our bewildered conditions, so they'd not be fully useful in and of themselves. So when we come to this conclusion, then we become a little humble, and we, we pray. And although we looked in all four directions, we couldn't find the answer. It comes from the fifth direction or the eleventh direction. In other words, you've got the northeast and north-south, and then up and down. Sometimes it's described like that. So Brahma looked at, he searched it out thoroughly. We should do this. And then he got the reciprocation directly from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him that Chatushlok of Srimad Bhagavatam. So he's quoted a verse from Bhagavad Gita, which is from the Chatushlok of Bhagavad Gita, representing his point. Krishna gives instruction to the devotee, and most readily what we find, how that happen, takes place, in the form of the spiritual master, through that medium, that spiritual master is representative of Krishna. And then this kind of instruction that he gives, what is it? Just like the instruction that Krishna gave to Brahma. That teaching, that philosophy, doesn't manufacture anything. This is Guru Parampara. He gives it, as we discussed this morning, in a relevant way, according to time and circumstance, and consideration of the individuals and so forth. Same truth, maybe with different vocabulary and a particular type of presentation that may differ from guru to guru, but it is the same message. And if we hear that message well enough from one guru, and we were talking, of course, here about a plurality of gurus, if we hear well enough, then we come to understand the message that the guru is this dynamic principle, in a sense, that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is speaking about, Guru Tattva, a particular manifestation of divinity. So Guru may say, just listen to me, and me only, get it straight from me. If we do that enough, and we listen, then as we look around, we begin to see that instruction is coming from everywhere. But if we don't listen in the name of looking everywhere for guidance and instruction, and we never get it straight. If we listen very carefully to our guru, who tells us sometimes, Let's only listen to me, don't listen to anyone else, just listen to what I say here. Then one day, if we do that, after doing that, we turn around and we see that the whole environment is speaking to us. As in Chidar Marsh's language, the environment is friendly. We look at the sunset, then we think, Ayur Haruti Vaipung Sam Uddhanastam Jayana So. 
at least first in a, with a philosophical eye. The sun is speaking to us. All the movements of nature are saying something to us. Everything's alive, speaking the message of God to us. It's become represented in a particular form in Sri Guru, but actually the message is everywhere for us. You turn and see, this is how Gopi saw in Mahabhav. Everywhere they looked, they saw instruction about devotion. From the trees, from the deers, from the earth itself, the creepers, everything speaking, instructing them about how to serve Krishna better, they thought, than we've been able to serve him. With the rising and the setting of the sun, my life is being taken away. Everyone's life is being taken away, except for except for one who is talking about Krishna, always chanting, singing about Krishna. Otherwise, sun is killing us. What I think I am, what I think myself to be, that sense of self and identity, the sun is taking it away. But it's every rising and setting, it's vanishing. You can't cling on to that. Uh, so the, the nature and the movements of nature are sending a profound, this is one example, message to us. So we come in time if we hear nicely from our Guru, just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Do you think he's sad to write some poetry? Let me think. Humble like what? Like the grass. I'll write like this. No, the grass spoke to him. Grass said, why aren't you humble like us? When anyone steps on us, we just bend. Why do you resist? He looked at the tree, and this is what the tree said to him. Why aren't you tolerant? Like me. I stand here, in rain and sun and heat and cold. And in the heat of the sun, I give shade. And in the cold, I give warmth. And in the dampness of the rain, I give a dry space for people. And if someone cuts me down... I give them the shade to do it. I don't complain. Why aren't you tolerant like me? The world spoke to him like this. See, if we become alive, ourself, then we see there's life everywhere. Everything's alive. Everything will speak to us. It's a question of interest. That's all. What we need to do is create Interest in our self-interest with some knowledge. What is our self-interest? Awaken an interest in that. As interested as we are in the subject matter, as much as we will be able to perceive the reciprocation from divinity. Therefore, these people who say, there are no advanced devotees, we say, they are not interested in Krishna. They think they can't find any advice anywhere. Bhakti Siddhanta Sastri Thakur didn't teach like that. What did he teach? When he was printing his Nadia Prakash, a daily paper about spiritual life, then uh, one of the government officials questioned, how can you print a daily paper about spiritual topics? As if to say, aren't you going to run out of things to say? I mean, there's only so much you can say about God. Actually, Vedanta Sutras says something different. It's not enough you can say. Shankar, when you render it, can't say anything about the Absolute. 
But we say, no, there's not enough talking that can go on, not enough that can be said to adequately glorify and express his nature and quality. Him. And him means not just the deity standing on the altar. Him means existence, the whole thing, vishvam purnam sukhayate. How Vishwana Chakravartaka can make a statement, we're thinking the world is horrible. And he's saying the whole world is an abode of joy. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvita therefore said, hmm, in every major city you're publishing one, two newspapers in the world, and this is all news about the Ekpadvibhuti. If we were to divide reality, which we can't, but for the sake of the material mind, which wants to measure and capture everything and get a grip on everything, the material world has been described as Ekpadvibhuti. We think it's the whole show, which is just to help us get out of that small-mindedness. The greater expanse of the spiritual dimension is called Tripadvibhuti, so three-fourths. So he said like this, in Ekpadvibhuti world, you have one, two newspapers every day giving information. Of course, if we look at it, we see it's basically the same thing over and over again, isn't it? <laughs> if you don't read the news for one year, try it. <laughs> you won't miss anything. And if you read it every day, every day you'll think something important's going on. This one is really going to have some consequence, <laughs> this incident. It's going to build up now. I'm going to watch it. It's really going to have some consequence on my life. It passes, it's gone. Another one comes. <laughs> it's not earth-shaking. But, yasmin prati slokam abadhavati api, Srimad Bhagavatam says, yattag visago janataga viplavo, yasmin prati slokam abadhavati api. Bhagavatam says, Nardmuni speaking, yattag visago, this, this is Nard Bhagavat, he's giving the Bhagavat to Yas, in first canto. He's giving the instruction to Vyas that gives rise to writing the Bhagavatam. He's chastising his disciple. Visargo, this this is another creation. That those topics about the Lord are of another creation altogether. And what is the nature? It is such that one sloke from this, more, even one word, one syllable. Mahaprabhu said, every word in Srimad Bhagavatam is Krishna. Anvayaditarata, anvayadvatirekapyam. Either directly or indirectly. We hear about Haranyakasipu, we think, how is that about Krishna? This is bringing light on Prahlad, indirectly, directly, and indirectly. Every word about Krishna. And Bhagavat says, Narada says, has the power one shlok, yasmin pati shlokum abadhavati yupi, to completely change your life. And you can read a newspaper, get them all the New York Times and Washington Post and London whatever and Times of India. And people are doing that. Reading so many of them, trying to keep abreast with what's happening, what's going on. And categorically, one's life doesn't change at all from that. And one shlok of Srimad Bhagavatam heard submissively from the proper source with receptivity in our heart, with some sense of my necessity, can completely change your life forever. Dr. Prabhupada used to say, one word they read, if, and he used to extend it, if they simply touch the book, their life can be changed. And we used to think like that, standing at, 
on some street corner or, door or at some airport and thinking, I've been out here for eight hours. I'm really tired. People are pouring through this Chicago airport like a herd of wild buffaloes on a Friday night. It's trying to get everybody out of their way so that they can go and enjoy their senses. And my task is to give them the stream of bog with them. <laughs> How will it be possible? And I'm tired physically. I'm tired of dealing with their minds. In my own mind and the opposition that's there and the environment that appears to be there to this. But I've been told and I believe it. If I just move a few feet and put this into somebody's hand, that person who's been walking round and round Brahman the Brahmitekon throughout the universe, he can become Bhagyavan. That Jeev can become Bhagyavan. Fortunate. And through the medium of the Bhagavat, you can meet the person, Bhagavat. Life can change. So I take another step, stay out another hour, <laughs> something like that. This is how we would think. Do good for others, Mahaprabhu said. Parupakar, that will be good for you. We should understand this principle, giving. That is where the getting will be found. Of course, we shouldn't attach the thought of getting to our giving. That may be a higher stage. We can, with little calculation, we should start and try to give. So Srimad Bhagavatam has this kind of power. Therefore, he said, you are reading so many newspapers, every city is publishing one, two newspapers daily, and this is about Ekpad Vibhuti, news of this world, and we are giving news from Kripad Vibhuti. We can publish, he said, a newspaper at every minute. Information from there is unlimited. One leela, one aspect of one leela is unlimited. In the Niti leela, we hear Astakal leela, Krishna's eightfold daily leela. This is just like a preview of a movie or something like that. You just get a little glimpse of what it's about. Each leela, each part of each leela. One devotee can reside eternally in one part of one leela, doing the same seva over and over again, and be fully satisfied. Such is the dynamic nature of Krishna Lila. Janmadhyasya tahan anvayad itaratas charteshu abhignas faratene brahma hridayadikavye muyanti yatsuraya. Muyanti yatsuraya. That means antasesh. Cannot say enough about this. About Krishna. This is the first verse of Bhagavatam. Tells us what Srimad Bhagavatam is about. All about Radha and Krishna. Janmadhyasya itaha about the original Adirasa, Anvayad Itarata, about Krishna and Radha, Abhignaswara, whose pastimes are wonderful, Tene Brahma Hridayadi and Vyas, the original Kavi, infused through Samadhinanusmratatvicheshtitam, meditation and remembrance on Krishna's pastimes, as he was qualified to do and instructed to do by Narada, gave rise to this, that topics of Krishna that make up Srimad Bhagavatam that are so extraordinary that even the demigods cannot know and understand, that Anantasesh cannot say enough about. So he said, we have so much information. The only problem is what? The problem is not from this side, Tripad Vibhuti, capacity to give information, to give instruction, to give guidance from that side. The problem is this side. He said, you should think we're only printing a daily paper. Only a daily paper you're printing about Krishna? Not a uh, hourly? Not a minutely? <laughs> minute by minute paper? Yes, yes, unfortunately. 
There's not enough interest at this time. This is how he replied. There's not enough interest. Therefore, only daily paper. And he had his brahmacharis out at the train station. Nadia Prakash! Nadia Prakash! Nadia Prakash! <laughs> this was their system. That intensity of guru, singha guru, bhaktisiddhanta saraswati thakur, desire to preach Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Brihat Madangam, we are all indebted to this. So there's no lack of information, there's no lack of guidance. Krishna can supply so much guidance, not only through the devotees, as I say, advanced devotees, but as we advance, we find even the so-called inanimate things are teaching us about Krishna. We're thinking, my Gurudev spoke to me, like Prabhupada said. One man said to him, Prabhupada was publishing his Back to Godhead magazine here in Vrindavan. And one man said to him, why are you not printing books? Books that will have more substance, and more enduring than just a magazine. Prabhupada thought, Guru Maharaj wants me to print books. My Guru Maharaj spoke to me. Some common man criticizing him. <laughs> Maybe giving some advice, but anyway, he took it like this. It is said, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave a wonderful, beautiful conception of Guru, that who says he has disciples is not a Guru. He gave the beautiful talk on the day of the Vyasa Puja. They organized for glorifying him, representative of Vyas. And after they all gave their offerings, then he embarrassed them with his humility and his realization, his vision, in which he saw all of them as representatives of his guru engaging him in Krishna's service by their sincere, ardent inquiry. He saw all his disciples as his gurus, advising him, keeping him engaged, or sent by his guru to keep him engaged. And people are saying, there's no good guidance. We'll just freeze the whole thing now. And this particular group, not only do they want to freeze the whole thing now, they want to freeze it just on one guru. They don't even want to take previous to him. <laughs> nothing before and nothing after. This idea should be retired, crushed, actually. That vision is the result of not being interested in making spiritual progress. If we are interested in making spiritual progress sincerely, then guidance will come to us. We really make sincere prayers. Suddenly we find something that's coming over the internet. <laughs> We're finding it. I wouldn't have thought. Or some, through some other form, guidance will come. So the, some onus is on us. Be sincere and pay attention. And what will that knowledge be then? What would that instruction be? As I said, as Krishna's Kabbalah Goswami is saying here, that same instruction given by Brahma, given by Krishna to Brahma in Chattasloka Srimad Bhagavatam, that same truth presented in a relevant way according to time and circumstance. And then he goes on to cite the verses of Chattasloka from Srimad Bhagavatam, in which our whole philosophy is contained in one nutshell. So, if I am to lecture on each of these verses, then we will be here for a long time. <laughs> so rather than do that, I'm going to read them. We can continue on with the chapter. I want to conclude this chapter while we're having this uh, gathering and go on, hopefully this time, to the beginning and end of the Adilila pastimes, the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, relevant to the, the time in which we're here nearing the Gaur Purnima. So, Ganam Parama Guhyame 
यद्विज्ञानसमन्वितं सरहस्यं तरंगं च विहन गडितुं माया Please hear attentively what I speak to you. It's Krishna speaking to Brahma. For transcendental knowledge about me is not only scientific, but also full of mysteries. Sarahasyam. Rahasyadhi etaduttamam. We heard this morning. This is bhakti. Sarahasyam means bhakti. Jnanam parama guhyam. The supreme knowledge that is bhakti. Yadvijnanam samanvitam sarahasyam tadangam. And along with how to practice it, all these things. Grahana Gadita Maya, just try to understand this as I explain it to you, Krishna says to Brahma. Obviously, as I said, the implications of all these words are great and there have been many commentaries written on them. Yabanaham Yatobhavo Yadrupa Gunakarmaka Tataiva Tatpavigyanam Astute Madanugrahat By my causeless mercy, Krishna says, be enlightened in truth about my personality, manifestations, qualities, and pastimes. Aham evasum evagre nanyat yatsat asat param paschat aham yare tatcha yovashi sheta aham Prior to the cosmic creation, only I exist, and no phenomena exists, neither gross, subtle, or primordial. After creation, only I exist in everything, and after annihilation, only I remain eternally. Vitayrutham yatpratiyeta napratiyeta tatmani tadvidyaratmanumhayam yatabhasu yatatama What appears to be truth without me is certainly my illusory energy, for nothing can exist without me. It is like a reflection of real light in the shadows, for in the light there are neither shadows nor reflections. He goes on, two more verses. As the material elements enter the bodies of all living beings and yet remain outside of them, I exist within all material creations, and yet I am not within them. Achinta Veda Veda. A person interested in transcendental knowledge must therefore always, directly and indirectly, inquire about it to know the all-pervading truth. So this is the kind of instruction Guru, who is the spiritual master, who is the representative of Antaryami Krishna, speaks, just as Krishna spoke to Brahma. And then he quotes a nice verse from Bhavamangal Thakur. Chintamani Jayati Sumagiri Guru Me Shiksha Gurushcha Bhagavan Shikitin Chamulai. Yet Pada Kalpaturu Palava Shekhareshu Lila Swayam Varurasam Labate Jayasri. Oh, glory to Chintamani and my initiating spiritual master Sumagiri. Oh, glory to my instructing spiritual master the Supreme Personality of God who wears peacock feathers in his crown under the shade of his lotus feet which are like desire trees. Jayasi, Mintrata, enjoys the transcendental mellow of an eternal consort. And this concludes his section on Guru. This verse is, of course, we're reminded of the pastime of this Bilba Mangala Thakur, Krishna Karnamrita, who wrote this book. 
Bill Mongol Thakur was a great devotee, and the story of Bill Mongol Thakur you probably know, or you've heard before. He went a great distance out of his way to meet with a lady of ill repute, and involved endangering his own life. He crossed the river, raging in the storm, to reach the other side of her house, and when he tried to get in, the door was locked, he tried to climb over the wall, he reached up to which what he thought was a branch, it was a snake. Still, nothing deterred him. With great intensity and uh, a strong desire, he pursued and made it to the other side, got inside the house somehow, or much to the amazement of Chintamani, the prostitute. And she said to him, how did you get here? The answer was, just by my determination. And she wisely said to him, boy, if you had the same determination to meet God, your life would be so much different. And it struck him, the words from her mouth, and he left that place and went to Vrindavan. Bhuva Mangalatakura is given and cited in Chaitanya Charitamrita as the example of a sadhaka. So we should understand from that with what kind of intensity we should pursue the bhajana kriya, all the devotional activities, the angas of bhakti, with the kind of determination of Bilva Mangalatakura. And then it didn't stop there, of course, when he went to Vrindavan. After some time, some desire surfaced in his mind alone in relation to the wife of a brahmin at whose house he was had come for and was to take lunch. The husband left for a moment and some desire came in his mind for having a connection with that lady and seeing that he asked for her hairpins and then he made himself blind. So it's an example to teach us something, not that we should deform all of our senses so that they won't be um, functionable in relation to the sense objects. Krishna says, He says, don't do that. This is not the solution. If you restrain the senses artificially from the sense objects, that's not what I'm talking about. You get a higher taste. Because if you restrain them, the taste for them will still remain. And if you don't have senses to enjoy them with, then you'll be haunted by those desires, taking another birth only. So, no, you have to get a higher taste. So we can understand Bill Mongolataka was a very extraordinary person, and we were to learn from him his determination. And, and with regard to Chintamani, who's mentioned in this verse, this is perhaps the opening verse of his book, Krishna Karnamrita. He offers his obeisances to his initiating guru. He offers his obeisances to his Sikshu Guru, who he says is the Supreme Personality of God himself. Krishna, of course, came to him in Vrindavan in his blindness and said he ran around in a circle around him and and um, perhaps he was bringing him something for a few days and he could, then he had the realization, this is Krishna's come. He tried to grab him and Krishna was skirting around him and not allowing him to grab him. And he was trying, and finally he said, anyway, I may not be able to grab you with my hands, but you'll never be able to get out of my heart. I've, I've captured you there. Now I know. You've come before me. So he's accepting Krishna as his Siksha Guru, and in his initiating Guru, Somagiri, and Chintamani even, who told him 
in the beginning, if you had that kind of determination for Bhagwan Krishna, then your life would be successful. He offers his respects to her. So if anyone helps us in spiritual life, how we can not have regard for them. No matter what they may do, what course they may take, we'll always see them in a certain light, with a certain eye. If we have little bhakti in us, then it will show up in this way in the form of some gratitude. We'll have a blind eye, like like I said, mother calls her blind son Padmalochan. If someone helps us on the spiritual path, then we can't but somehow find something favorable about them, even though they may be going in the wrong direction at a later date. And then we should think, I will try to set a good example, be inspired by me as I was by them at some time. So he remembers Chintamani, concludes her amongst his gurus. All right, let's stop there. Srimad Bhagavad Gita Ki Jai.